Live by faith. May your faith truly be a dependence lived on your God. May our worship be lit up as we celebrate the God who is not keeping himself secret, but he's making himself clear. Amen, amen. Well, happy 4th of July, man. It is great to be here with you, man. We worship our living Savior. And hear me, in the middle of a celebration on the 4th of July where you may look back and be like, I wish America were different, right? You might be, uh, I wish I could see a few things different. Know this, we are gathered together for the name and the fame of Jesus Christ and nobody's stopping that. And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. Worship your God with all you've got. Celebrate the fact that we have that freedom and may we continue to go after him as we move. Hey, we're in a series here called Live by Faith. And uh, Pastor Steve kicked it off last week. And uh, man, as we got going in Romans 1.16 there, just making sure we understand what faith is and making, understand, making sure we understand how to go after that, especially when it comes to salvation of faith and living by faith where we're looking to eternity and Christ having it in hand. That's a huge deal. And as we go now through the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at Old Testament characters. We're going to be looking at a couple of different stories throughout the summer and just making sure we learn a little bit from them as they show us how to live by faith. It's a faith that ex expresses out into eternity for them, but it's a, a faith that lives right there in the moment, right in the present. Like, what's going on? How does my faith actually affect what I'm doing and what I'm going after? So do me a favor. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 this is the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament there. First book, Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. And as we get going here, we're going to be learning what it is to deal with our faith in the face, in the face of adversity. How do we handle things? And today we're very specifically going after a faith to follow. A faith to follow. How do I go after my God following him with all I've got? So here we go. Point number one. Obey fully, no matter how difficult the task or how old you are. Obey fully, no matter how difficult the task or how old you are. You might be like, hey, I feel like you just took a shot at my age. Hang on, you're going to see it come out in the passage very clearly. No matter how old we are, no matter what we're going through, feel fully obeying our God. Everybody just say fully. Okay, may we grasp that as the first point here. And uh, we'll just jump right in. First verse, in verse uh, 1 here of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, this is before his name was changed to Abraham, same guy, right? Abraham was his later name change, Abram, right here. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God gives him a command, stand up, go from your family, from your kindred, from your area, go to a new place I'm going to give to you. Now, we need to understand a little bit of what's going on here to make sure we grasp the context. And so, really, Abram's already been in transit. He's been moving. He's gone from Ur up to Haran. From Ur to Haran, that's some four to 600 mile trip already done there from Ur to Haran. And this is where God had challenged him as well as his dad, Terah, and several others to move. They were moving from Ur. They stopped in Haran because his dad got sick. 
Tara was not doing well on the journey. In fact, Tara died there at Haran, and they ended up burying there. So he lost his father on this journey where there had already been a move from Ur, and he's wrestling with things. In fact, he's got other things going on in his life he's wrestling with. He's been married for a long time to his wife, Sarah. He is absolutely stunned with who she is. She is a great person, but they have not been able to have kids. So they are without children, now without a father, on a journey called by God, and they're wrestling along the way. That's where we pick them up. And God says, now go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house. Just so you know, in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, it actually says that he was told before Haran to go. And so that first going from Ur up to Haran was a part of the journey. It was a part of the travel. And this is really a reminder now. God is talking to him really a second time at this point saying, hey, same plan. I know this isn't what you knew was coming with the death of your father, but please hear me. Same plan. Here we go. We're going after this. Leave your kindred. Everybody say that's family. It's going to be important that you remember that in just a second. So they're getting ready to go, and he says, I'll show you the land you're going to. As I pondered on it this week, I just wrote these words down. God's plan often reveals just the next step. God's plan often reveals just the next step. Like that fog, that mist pulls back just a little bit so you can see just the next stepping stone so you know where to go with it. But what happens next after that? God has in hand. God is involved in building your trust as he leads you to where he wants you to be. He says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Remember, he hasn't had any offspring yet. He has no kids and God is like, you are going to have a massive nation under you. Now, let's be honest. In our Western culture, that doesn't mean that much to us. When we have a kid, we're not like, yes, now I will be a nation. Like, that really isn't how we think at all, right? We're just like, awesome. We have two daughters. We're super thrilled. We're good with that. Like the Western mindset, very family-focused inside of and very good with just those couple of kids in that narrowed family and longing for them to be going and growing in Christ. And, uh, but in the Middle Eastern culture and specifically with Abram, he's like, I'm just telling you the plan is so much more vast. A nation through you. And you got to imagine the question that comes up in Abram's mind, like, Really? Like, I'm getting older, and I haven't even had a kid yet, but awesome promise, and a nation and land for us. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a massive promise in the Abrahamic covenant. I will bless those who bless you. Like those who care for Abram, those who care for his followers after him, the nation of Israel. I will bless those who bless you. I will dishonor, I will curse those who dishonor you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth blessed. And you got to imagine when Abram heard this, he was like, I'm not even sure how. 
Maybe our nation's just going to be so dominant and so awesome that we're just going to so be able to influence many other people. Maybe that. He had no idea that from Abram would come the nation of Israel, that when would come Jesus Christ, the God of the universe stepped in, fully God, fully man, from Abram to Jesus, and Jesus affecting everything. He's like, I'm telling you, every nation in the world will be blessed through you. He could barely grasp the promise at hand, and he was just hoping for something great in the middle of it. He's like, just so you know, I've got your back, Abram, as I walk you on this journey. You're covered. And I just wrote these words down. When it's God's plan, it will include God's blessing and God's protection. When it's God's plan, it will include God's blessing and God's protection. God's like, I've got this in hand, Abram. Here we go. He's supposed to go away from this land to a new land alone, right? It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Everybody say, uh-oh. Like he's not even listening. We're one step in, and he's only done half of it. He's like, look, the plan is for you to leave family and area. You alone, I'm taking to a place and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Abram's like, got it. We're going somewhere. Hey, family, come with me. Totally missing it. He's supposed to be able to move out on his own. And instead, he reaches in and grabs Lot, his nephew. And he begins to bring him along with. And it's going to end up being a problem in his life. For those of you who know the story, he ends up having conflict with Lot that they have to work out. In fact, from Lot come several nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites, massive enemies over the course of time for Israel. And the things go kind of sideways from him doing this little bit of disobedience, but God in his great mercy continuing to work with him because he is willing on many levels. Uh, it's amazing how God actually blesses into our partial listening, right? May we actually listen with whole ears and heart. And all of God's people said, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. How's that for a retirement plan, right? Hey, I got a plan for you. Pack up shop and walk 600 plus miles. I know you've just walked four to 600. Walk it more. A thousand miles. It's like somebody saying, hey, I need you to pack up and walk to San Diego. Right? Like just get up and start going some long distance away to a target point and start walking. In fact, he didn't even know the mileage when he took off. Only God knew that. So he was walking at 75 years old. You might be like, yeah, but 75 was different for them. Not that different, man. This is a big deal. This is a big deal, and while they may have lived a little bit longer, it wasn't that much longer, and this was a lot of taxing on the body. In fact, on the journey, his dad has passed away. This is a hard, hard call. At 75, he's getting up and getting going. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Like there's a lot that they've accumulated, possessions and family. And in fact, it even says the word here, people in the ESV. In the original language, it actually uses the word for souls. It says, and the souls that they had brought along with them, that they had gathered. 
And so some will say, well, I think maybe this is like, you know, slavery. This is horrible. And it doesn't say that. I'd be really careful to read that in. In fact, the way it reads is it says, and he's bringing the souls of those he had acquired or gathered together. And many actually guessed that maybe he was selling the, you need to know what my God has told me and the vision that he shared and you should come with. And so this is clearly uh, hired help at some level, but probably bought into the vision at some level. And a huge deal is he's gathering and bringing them along the way. Abram, he's listening mostly. And that could be a little bit of a problem. And we got to be careful with it. You know, I was looking at Illustrates this week and found this true story. There was a dispatcher and uh, he was supposed to be sending out these uh, really heavy pieces of equipment dispatching. And somebody called and said, we need it. We need it fast. Like right now it's like 3,000 pounds plus, almost 5,000 pounds of equipment that they had to get shipped Okay, and so he's taking down the details. The guy's like, I'm in Portland. He's like, got it. And he's starting to write it down real fast and get it. The guy's like, I need it shipped, like starting tomorrow. This has to happen. And he's like, I got it. I got it. And so he's kind of quick to get off the phone. He sets it all up. He gets it set and the trucks are moving to Portland, Oregon. They're heading after it. Problem. The guy lived in Portland, Maine. It was close, but not quite there, right? And 3,000 miles apart, and it cost them $100,000 to turn everything around and ship it the other direction and get it to the right spot. Listening partially is not listening, right? And we can get ourselves into big trouble by missing out on some of the subtle details. May we grasp fully what our God is calling us to. May we listen completely. And how are you doing at listening to your God? How are you doing at listening to your authorities, kids? How are you doing at listening to your parents fully? Like everything they say, not just some. Or to teachers when you're in school. Parents, how are you doing at listening to a boss? Listening to God and his word or maybe listening to a pastor as you communicate on things and being able to listen to the whole of the guidance of what you're being given in that moment. May we listen fully. May we listen completely. Everybody say completely. And it's some active listening that that takes, all right? If we're going to follow well, listen well. Point number two, remember God's promises as you go. Remember God's promises as you go. It says, Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I give this land. So they've been walking, they've been hiking for some 400 plus miles up through the Fertile Crescent and around and down. They've come into the north side of Israel and as they walk into Israel, it starts to get lush, man. The Oak of Morah, like the word oak there, it's a different word in the Hebrew, but it's a word that means big, sturdy, strong tree with these big, wide branches and the huge leaves. It cast a massive shade. It would have been very relaxing to stop and camp out in a place like that. As you're hiking along for God to stop them and go, hey, hey, just so you know, this is the land I was talking about. This is where I'm bringing you. And for that moment, can you imagine when you arrive 
at the place that got, and you look around and it's lush and it's great and it's relaxing and, and you're like, yes, this is awesome. As Abram arrived in that place, a place that he could celebrate after some four, five, six hundred miles of walking after the hiking and now God revealing, it says, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He built an altar. In other words, he took a moment to worship. He took a moment to remember that place and that moment and that God who had brought this all together. Man, as we are on our journeys, as we are following wherever God is sending us, may we take time to remember and worship. God is doing amazing things in our lives. And there's things in your life that God has been doing that has put a smile on your face. Things that you remember, you recall. And as you reflect, you're like, yes, God, I so remember you in this moment. Man, worship your king for those moments. Remembering the promises and remembering God with you in it. Abram was celebrating. In fact, he built an altar and he had a moment with his God there. It says, so he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then it says, after it, from there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Again, right? So he comes into the Oaks of Moriah, kind of at the north end of Israel. He moves down a ways to Bethel and Ai. He's just a little bit above the center of Israel now. Kind of where Jerusalem is, just a little outside of, to Bethel and Ai. And he's hanging out now in a second spot. And he's like, this place is unbelievable. This is fantastic, man. Look what God is doing. Remember, this is a guy who was told you're going to have a nation and property. He doesn't have a kid yet. And he's like, but I'm trusting God. Something's going to happen. It's going to be fantastic. And as he settles into it all, he's looking at the land and he begins to celebrate again. A second place right here. In fact, the word Bethel in the Hebrew means Beth, house, El of God. The house of God. I am taking a moment in Bethel to celebrate my king and all that he's doing for me. Abram on a remembrance journey right now as he is recognizing all that God is doing and leading in his life. It says, and Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. That's just further down into Israel. And as you get down toward the Negev, it's a little bit more wilderness-like. It's a little bit more open. It's a little bit more like you need to look for the grass if you're going to feed on it. You need to look for the water a little bit more. And as he's down in that area, it can get a little bit harder to survive as he's now seeing that south end of Israel, a little bit different than the lush north end. And he's now into that area. He's seeing the whole of the land and the spread and the breadth of it and what it's going to be like to be there. He's gotten three specific spots on this journey and he's taken time to remember and worship along the way. You know, this past week, um, we ended up actually on Friday, just got a surprise break for a moment. Uh, Megan was actually going out to shop real quick. They were going to Indiana this weekend. They're out there right now with Heather and the family, and Larry's going to be going right after. And 
And so they're going to be spending Indiana time out there. And so as they were getting ready to take off, she had to do some shopping. And she's like, you know, Everett loves to scream at this age. We would love it if you would just, can you watch him? And so she came over and dropped him off for about an hour with us, 45 minutes. As we watched Everett and just laughed and played together with him and connected. And she went shopping. And so we went outside. There was a moment where he was kind of getting a little bit tired. And I'm like, you know, why don't we just go out? It was, you remember Friday, it was like in the 70s. It was perfect. So I picked him up. We went outside and we were just walking around out in the grass and enjoying the breeze blowing. And there's some trees kind of on the north side of our property. I say it like it's big. You know, it was like 30 steps to that side of our property. You know what I mean? And uh, so we walk over there and I'm, we come up to the pine tree and I just kind of uh, touch the pine branch. And, and I, it may be the first time he's ever touched a pine branch. He reaches up and he kind of reaches out. And as he touches it, you know how if you touch it on the tip, it's a little more pointy, right? He touches just the tip of one of those pine needles and he pulls back like, dude, you're nuts. Don't touch those things, right? And he's kind of held back. And so now I'm kind of touching the sides of it. And you could see him kind of try to, then he pulled back a little afraid as he touched it. And we just had a moment standing there and uh, just a sweet little laughter time as he's giggling a little bit. And then I realized we are standing in the exact spot where my daughter Alyssa and Grant got married last year in April. We had a 300-person wedding planned, and it got canned, and we ended up having a short, small family wedding in the backyard on the north end of the property by the trees, and uh, we went over, and we're standing right there, and I'm like, I start talking to him. I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Standing right here, your Aunt Sissa got married. This is a moment and a place, man. And now, a year later, I'm holding my grandson standing in this place. Like all of a sudden, it became a meaningful moment. And as we're chatting together, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for answers. Thank you for provision. Thank you that in the midst of things not going the way we wanted them to go, they went awesome. Thank you for this spot and the breeze that was blowing so calmly last April and for the weather right now that is so awesome. Thank you, Lord. I remember what you're doing. I praise you for the blessings in our life. Man, are you taking moments to remember? Are you taking moments to worship? Like right now, just really think of it. One thing where you could be like, God, this is awesome what you're doing in this area of our life. Thank you, Lord. Like I praise your name. I'm not saying there's not other struggles. I'm saying, but Lord, you blessed here. You are awesome. What would that be? And just take a moment to grab it and be like, thank you, God. I remember you working in my life. I praise your name. May we remember and worship as we follow. Point number three, never manage your fears with sinful plans. Always do what is right in God's eyes. Never manage your fears with sinful plans. Always do what is right in God's eyes. Now remember, he's gone to three different places in Israel. He's now down in the Negev. It's a little bit rougher. It's a little bit more rough and tumble in areas around there. And it starts out here. Now there was a famine in the land. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Remember, Abram's the guy where when he was given direction, 
Like, I want you to go. Without fam, I want you to go. And he's like, I hear you, with fam, right? He's the guy who kind of gets it, but not totally. And now he's being pressed a little bit. Now he's in an environment where food is sparse, where water is sparse, and it's going to be tough. Now, there was a famine in the land. God is getting ready to be building his trust all the more. And so God begins to walk him through this tougher moment on the journey. It says, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Sojourn, it means to live for a little longer time. It means to not just be there for a day or two days. It means for a while. Like you're making this home for a little bit. Sojourn. And uh, they went down to Egypt. Now, what it doesn't say, and God was good with that. Like, we don't know. Was God saying, yes, I know I've showed you this promised land, but I want you to move on through it and get out of it to survive? Maybe that. Or was God saying, dude, I just showed you the promised land. Trust me more. And he moved on to Egypt and put himself into a tougher spot. Maybe that. We don't really know. It doesn't say. These are moments where it'd be great to have the parentheses where God's like, and that was a terrible idea, right? Like, that would be really helpful to be able to see, or, or that's exactly what I meant, right? And, uh, but whatever happened, Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn for a while because the famine was severe in the land. People and animals were dying. And Abram decided to put it all into his hands and get down to Egypt to be safe. I know that you are a woman, he says as he's talking to his wife. Or I should, I skipped a piece. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you were a woman, beautiful in appearance. He's like, baby, you're hot. That's, that's basically what, and, and just so you know, when something starts with that, you may want to wait for what's coming next, right? And uh, he's like, baby, you, you are hot. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. If you hear a little bit of me in that, you're hearing rightly. Baby, you're hot. That could be a problem for me. He's like, so say you are my sister that it may go well with me because of you. Everybody just say that's a terrible plan. Okay. (laughs) And uh, now here's the reality. He's not asking her to sin outright. She actually does have blood relation and connect in a way to him in that. He's like a half-sister, and that's not something we would approve of today with things that have happened with DNA. But 4,000 years ago, it was a little different, and he was married to someone who had some level of sibling connect. So it's kind of true and really missing the big point, right? So sometimes we sin by the lie of commission, like we just say what is not true. And then sometimes we lie by the sin of omission. We keep something back that's really super important, right? And this is one of those. He's deciding to keep something back in the midst of it. He says, say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, that my life may be spared for your sake. And uh, let's, uh, let's just put it this way. I was pondering it this week. I wrote these words. When our sin is the solution, we are drifting. When our sin is the solution, we are drifting. Man, when you are following your God, make sure that sin is not a part of the plan. And all of God's people said, huge deal. It says, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. 
In other words, it wasn't just Abram. Abram's like, baby, you're hot. And all the Egyptians agreed. She is gorgeous. She is absolutely beautiful. She is stunning in nature and stunning in look. It says, and when the princes of the Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken in to Pharaoh's house. And uh, everybody say, that's a problem. Okay, this is the deal. Taken into Pharaoh's house means something metaphorically, and we'll see it come up in just a second in the passage, but it means he took her in to be her wife, his wife. It means that he took her in to be able to be with her, to be able to have her as his own family, and to be able to have a relationship intimately with her. This is about sexuality. And yes, he is taking Abram's wife in. Abram was like, tell him you're my sister. And like that was saving him while it put his wife in horrible stead. Abram is following, maybe not all that well. And man, may we grasp the mercy of our God that works with us as we try to learn to trust while we follow. This wasn't a moment where God just wrote him off. This wasn't a moment where God was just done, but God is like, we're going to have to shape and grow that along the way. Mercy was huge. In fact, how do you see it? It says, uh, these men, when they ended up telling the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh ends up bringing her into the house. Here's how the Pharaoh responds. And for her sake, he, the Pharaoh, dealt with Abram and he gave him sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. And he started making them wealthy. He's like, man, your sister is unbelievable. Here's some oxen. And then the next day, he's like, I'm just telling you, I haven't seen somebody so gorgeous. She is stunning. Here's some donkeys and some camels. Take some of my people. Just get some help, man. This is amazing what she is to me, and thank you for it. Ladies, if you're feeling a little bit like that's not cool, I'm with you on that, right? There's a moment where this needs to be, what? And God is blessing into the midst of it, but that doesn't mean God is smiling upon the whole of it. Please be careful. This is deeply disrespectful to her. And this is wrong for what she's being dragged into. And God's going to take a stand on that too. And we're going to see it in just a second. Man, husbands, protect your wives. Husbands, love your wives. And as you are following after your God, never, ever, ever allow her to be hurt so that you can benefit. Ready? And all of God's men said, and may we learn from the opposite on this one as he makes some terrible choices. It said, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house because God is going to take a stand for that. The Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you have done to me. Now, it's not clear how Pharaoh came to that conclusion. Like, what happened? Was he like, all of a sudden, everything was going great, and now it's going terrible. It seemed to be right about the same time that Sarah girl showed up. Like, is that what happened? He just noticed the coincidence in the timing? 
Or maybe there's something about the plagues that shows him that it's very much connected to this marriage and this relationship. We don't know. Maybe he just went to Sarah and said, I don't know what's going on. This is horrible. And she's like, well, maybe it's because I am his sister and his wife. Maybe that's what happened. We don't know what exactly happened. Maybe God just said, Pharaoh, knock it off. Maybe that. We don't know what went down, but one way or another, Pharaoh became super clear that the plagues were an indication that it needed to stop with Sarah. He says, what have you done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? So in case you were thinking I was wrong about the metaphor, there you go. Taking him, taking her as his wife. And he's like, look what you have done. Look at the plagues. Look at the problems. Abram, why did you do this? Now, if you're Pharaoh in charge of an entire nation and a guy has done something that has put you in bad stead, maybe the first response is, so you die. And, and why not that? Why didn't he choose to do that? Because he clearly sees that the plagues are tied to a God over it all who's watching over. And he's like, look, man, I would take you out. But your God, I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to stand good with you all. And I'm going to take care of you all. He says, why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, sister, and then you let me take her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. He's like, let's restore this. Let's make this good. And Pharaoh gave, him, gave the men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. All that he had. All of the animals. All of the possessions. All of the help. All that he had. He went out with. God ended up blessing into the midst of a half listening. God showing massive mercy along the way. Yet God brought a plague set to make it clear to Pharaoh, knock it off. Get these words, man. So Abram, who represents the nation of Israel, comes to Egypt with Pharaoh, and some of the family of Abram ends up being held there by Pharaoh, and so plagues come to release him. Does that sound familiar? God's setting up a dress rehearsal of what would come some 400 years later with the nation of Israel. And Abram is in Egypt and God brings plagues and watches and protects over. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. Man, may we follow well. No sin. Fully listening. Worshiping along the way. My God will get all the glory. Man, are you ready to follow your God? Listening fully. Remembering worshipfully. And making sure that your sin is not the solution to the problems you run into. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, that is following by faith as we make much of our God and watch him get all the glory. Look, our God is working in this broken world. He is, but he is greater than anyone in this world and he stuns us with who he is. May we worship him 
and follow him. May we follow Jesus with all we've got. Everybody just say, follow Jesus with all we've got. May God get all the glory. Let's pray. 